Welcome to the ICTA podcast, where we think together about unity and solidarity, or ICTA, on campus. In the ICTA podcast, we take time out to listen to students as they share their stories about what has made them feel powerful and powerless in their university journeys, and to hear their thoughts on practical steps that we can take to create more inclusive spaces at UFE. Let's learn differently together. ICTA. Welcome to ICTA, a podcast about creating unity by understanding different learning experiences here at UFE. My name is Victoria Surtees, and I'm the internationalization specialist here at UFE. And I'm very grateful to be here in the studio at CIVL, uh, which is located on the territories of the Stalo people, the Halkamalem-speaking people of the river. Today I'm joined by Molly Bajaj, an international student alumni from Jalandar. Did I get that one right? Yes, that's right. Look at you. Oh, (laughs) see? In India. So hello, Molly, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me here today. It's an honor to be a part of the podcast. Well, I'm super happy to see you back from your trip uh, to India. So I know you got to see your family for the first time in over three years. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And I wish I could have stayed a little longer. It's always so good to be home. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always surprising to me when I talk to international students and find out they haven't seen their families in that long. I, it's 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 quite a sacrifice and quite a thing to to know that you'll be away from your family for so long. So today, Molly and I are going to talk about the difference between mugging, and I'll tell you a little bit about what that means, and learning to apply knowledge in the classroom, um, as well as what happens to international students after they graduate uh, when they move into the world of work on their postgraduate work permits. And as always, Molly will share some advice for how staff and faculty could support international students. All right. Who is Molly Bajaj? So I was born and raised in Jalandhar, India, and I'm fluent in three languages, English, Hindi, and Punjabi. I came to UFV in winter 2017. It was very interesting for me to see my transition from high school to university and coming from a background of a family of doctors. Being an only child, I was the pampered kid of the family. It was also very exciting to see the support that I got from my parents for pursuing psychology in university. I was lucky to have a job in my field of interest when I graduated in winter 2021. I applied for my work permit and was able to continue working for the same company after my graduation. Mm. I finished a year on my work permit and got eligible to apply for a permanent residency in Canada. And now I'm an official permanent resident of Canada. Woohoo! Congratulations. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I feel really happy to be back at UFV, not as a student, but as a staff member now. And I have the opportunity to give back to the community that gave me almost of what I have today. So super excited and grateful. Well, that's that's lovely and touching. And it sounds like for the most part, you had a pretty smooth, um, like a pretty smooth ride. So of course, we, we did chat a little bit. And I know that in um, Jalandar, you were actually in a Catholic school, right? Until grade 10. I went to an all-girls school for up until grade 10, and then I went into a co-ed school for my high school with a GCSE curriculum. So I just want to pause for a second to unpack that GCSE. So I don't think people um, in Canada probably know what that is. Um, So that stands for the General Certificate of Secondary Education, and it's actually a qualification from the UK. So it's used in England, uh, Wales, and Northern Ireland in high school. So it's a UK curriculum. Um, So interestingly enough, uh, maybe you don't know that actually 29% 
of India's 179 million school children go to private schools with these kinds of curriculums, British, French, or American. Um, and that's a really high number when we compare it to BC, which is actually only about 13% of students in BC go to private schools. Um, so just to put all that in in a little bit of, of context, it is quite common to go to these schools that have curricula that are not from India, but curricula that come um, from international places and particularly from the UK. Um, so you're not actually Catholic. No, I'm right? not. No. <laughs> so can you explain maybe a little bit about like why you were at a Catholic school and, and what learning was like there? Yeah, of course. I'm always so excited to talk about this phase of my life. So a little background. In India, getting your child into a good school is a lot of pressure and like an exhausting task for the parents. Yeah. A school would be considered good if it has like the following checklist. So it has to have mandatory school uniform, strict conduct and discipline rules and like etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So a normal day for me at school would include going to the school for the school assembly and where we would just pray and take a pledge. And after that, we'd have a little what's happening around the world news flashback and all of that, followed by a little role play where we learn a moral science or like a life lesson for respect, time management, peace, and like all those heavy big topics in 20 minutes. And then we go back to our classrooms and then followed by seven hours of studying with only a 30 minute break in the middle of the day. So we're studying all subjects. And when I mean all subjects, you're studying math, biology, physics, chemistry, history, geography, English literature every single day. And the day ends with a little prayer again. And then we pack our bags, we go home and get ready for after school tutoring for studying the same subjects all over. And the cycle keeps going on and on. At this time, when I think about it, that was the normal for me. Studying for seven hours, followed by studying for five more hours, the same things that I studied during the day. It was normal. Studying or learning was mugging like we say, or it was more like cramming and you're not really learning, but you're just like reading the same words over and over again and putting it into your brain. I would mug pages and pages of my history book to get a good grade. I got so used to it that for my grade 10 final math exam, I literally just crammed two quadratic equations that I just could not solve using the knowledge that I had. So it was easier for me to just cram it and get a good grade for my grade 10 exam. I got so good at it that I felt I was super ready for high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So just to go back to that term mugging. So for those who don't know, mugging is a word that's actually commonly used in India and across Southeast Asia. So in Singlish as well, for example, so Singapore English. Um, and it's a, a term that broadly means rote learning or memorization. And it's actually British slang that comes from the colonial era. So I, I did a little research and a little digging. So from what I understand, and actually a mugger from this idea is someone who is excellent at mugging, excellent at studying or memorizing. So it sounds like you were a, a top class mugger. That's exactly <laughs> what I was. <laughs> but little did I know that that was like I, when I thought I was all excited for high school, I did not see what was coming. Turns out school that I got into was nothing what I had experienced over the past 12 years. No copy pasting, no mugging. It was more of application of knowledge and apply the terms and more learning. And I did not know what that was. And I look at it and I'm like, 
who does this? Like, what is even going on? I still remember the very first set of exams that we had in my high school. Super confident, the person that I am, that I've got the best grades. I'm getting nothing but straight A's. And the teacher comes in, gives us our test results back. I look at it and it's nothing but a big C. And I'm sitting there trying to avoid eye contact. I'm frozen there and I don't want to look at everyone, but everyone's looking at me because I'm like the smart girl from a competitive school. They're sure I've got like straight A's. And I look down, avoiding eye contact completely, not wanting to tell anyone and have that mindset over there that the teacher hates me, which is why I have a bad score. Eventually, I spoke to my mom about it and we found a tutor who was able to replace my cramming behavior with the ability to apply the knowledge Mm. and learning became the bigger focus and it was a whole new world. I was able to see myself solving problems, paraphrasing and summarizing and I didn't believe I had it in me. It was a whole new person and for the longest time it felt like it was someone else's frontal lobes of the brain and here I am, brand new person, doing things that I never thought I was able to do. So it was a proud moment Mm -hmm. and I was a changed person when it came to learning. Mm -hmm. So that was quite a transition. Yeah, I can imagine. So, I mean, that experience really from going from being the absolute best, right, top of your class, to not even understanding how to do exams at all. I mean, how did that impact you? Um, It was definitely difficult for me to come to terms with what was going on, because in the beginning, I didn't even understand what actually went wrong. I was scared because I thought I was never going to make it to university. And when all this time high school was supposed to be fun, I was struggling. So, however, I'm grateful for all the support I had from my mom, from my tutors and from my friends. And the expenses for all the one-on-one tutoring covered for was absolutely a blessing at that time. I think there is always a greater plan, like I tell to all my friends. Like there's always so much bigger for you and we just got to see past our problems. I remember struggling so much in high school academically, but it made my transition to UFV into the university very smooth. Mm -hmm. I was able to use multiple learning styles, understand and implement where needed, cram when required, and practically use the knowledge from the classroom in the real world. And I feel like I was a brand new person when I came to UFV as well. And being able to compartmentalize other things that came along with that move, culture shock, responsibility of finances, and homesickness were more of a priority to me. And if I had not gone through the phase of learning new learning styles in the past, I would have to deal with it right now as well. And I don't think I would have it in me to manage all of that along with the other responsibilities that were coming when I had just switched countries. Mm -hmm. So if reality had not hit me in high school, I would have to face all of that when I would have come to UFV. And I don't think as an international student, you have the ability to manage 1000 things and also focus for school and like understand that you're struggling at school and and struggling at life. Mm -hmm. And then how are you going to prioritize it? So I'm so grateful that It happened in phases that I was able to compartmentalize and choose what's important when and how. Yeah, well, I mean, that's amazing. So what really stands out in that story is just hearing how it was that feeling and then looking for an explanation and not even finding it, not even understanding and that it took you quite a while and quite a lot of outside help to kind of move past that. So when I'm thinking about our international students that are coming from 
you know, mugging curricula, uh, which I think it's really important to note are actually, they are also left over from the British colonial era. So those come from Britain, those mugging curricula that exist now. Thinking about, you know, how those students are coming here and and learning that lesson that you learned and how they might be coping. um, There's a lot of questions there, I think, that are that are unanswered. So thank you for for bringing that to our attention. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You decided to come to UFE. You went to high school. What surprised you when you arrived? Um, A lot of things ranging from (laughs) why is no one stopping me to go to a gas station at two in the morning? You can't do that in India Hmm. because it's unsafe. Two, also, like, how and why is it so easy to change my major from biology to psychology? Like, I did that in two seconds at OREG, and I was like, is that it? It, Like, a lot of things which, like, I just feel like life here is more relaxed. There is no competition in classrooms like we have it back home. There is no, I'm right and you are wrong. And there is no rush to reach a deadline. No one creates a timeline for you but you yourself. And... I might not be able to use the right language here, so correct me if I say something wrong. I've been observing this for quite some time now and experienced it here and there as well, that the elderly people in the South Asian communities here tend to be more rigid and conservative in comparison to people back home. Some of my friends have experienced it like in their day-to-day life, ranging from renting a place, asking for help at a workplace, And the responses to such requests are something that really surprises me. I can't help but wonder where those reactions or those responses come from because it's hurtful. At the end of the day, we're all together here working for one main goal, which is to have a better and an improved life for our family members. And I always wonder where does the indifference come from then if we're all working towards the main one goal. And this might be very personal, but it's something that surprises me. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think it's so interesting how we often think that the folks back in the home country and the people in the diaspora are going to be sort of evolving in the same directions in the same ways. And how when that doesn't happen, we're quite surprised. And, and that's a story I've heard more than once. And of course, those people that immigrated here experienced all sorts of barriers and difficulties themselves um, in trying to fight for their their place here. So I'm not sure what the answer is, but it is a good question. And, and I appreciate you raising it here. All right. So I think we've arrived at the challenging question. We asked this to all of our guests, and I'll ask it to you. Um, what has made you feel powerful? And what has made you feel powerless um, at UFE or in our Fraser Valley community. Wow. Okay, I like the little self-introspection happening here. And this might sound very cliche, but honestly, everything that I was able to do by myself in my four years at UFE was something that made me powerful and stronger every passing day. Because let's be real, life back home was comfortable. It was something easy and I think most international students will relate to this we had our parents protecting us from everything and anything in the world we had the resources which were given to us and then we come here in a foreign land and we have to do everything by ourselves and we have to put ourselves out there every single day you have to wake up every morning completely oblivious of what the day is going to look like you don't know whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day Every day is a surprise. 
and you have to do everything all by yourself without your loved ones around you. And that makes you powerful as you go on in your journey. The power and the strength that you gather today from all the good work that you put in in one single day is actually the fuel to wake up again tomorrow and do the whole thing all over again. Keeping in mind that you don't have your parents <laughs> around you. Keeping in mind that you don't have your loved ones around you. Keeping in mind that you're all by yourself. And when I was thinking about it, it made me a little emotional too because then it tells you how far you've come in the journey and look at you, you're like this strong, powerful, independent girl. But I've had my nights of like crying in my bed and like calling my mom and being like, I can't do this, I'm coming back home. But all those things have made me what I am today. And I'm sure every international student can relate to this, that it's not easy, but it makes you strong. So yeah, this is my little, like there's no specific moment because every single day it's a new moment and you just get stronger and more powerful. I love, I love this idea of, you know, the strength that it takes to get through every day and just living that strength, uh, building on it every day. Um, kudos to you. You are, you are powerful. I'd say that to myself every day. I'm powerful. <laughs> That's good. Put a post-it right on yeah, your mirror I, on the side 100%, of the percent. <laughs> I'm powerful. I'm strong. <laughs> yeah, you got to do that for yourself sometimes because it keeps you going. Like when days I wake up and I look in the mirror, I'm like, I'm not going to work. But then you're just like, you read that little post-it and you're like, I'm powerful. I'm going to work. <laughs> I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> good idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now we come to a bit, maybe the sadder part of the question and that's that's, uh, you know, what has made you feel powerless? Of course. Then there are days coming back from what I was talking about before that you can't just gather enough energy and you cannot have enough strength to keep going. And then there are days you look in the mirror and you read the I am powerful, I'm strong, but you just don't want to do it because you don't have it in you to keep going. You just don't have the energy to get up and do the whole shebang all over again. And I think I felt that when I had just graduated from UFE and I was working my first ever real world job, how I say it. So a little background, according to the government laws, individuals have to work with an employer for at least one year to be eligible for their permanent residency, among the 1000 other formalities that we have. So when I graduated, I had no other choice but to do what had been going on to follow the process and to apply for my PR. And what's interesting here is that I already had a part-time contract with the company that I was working for. So when I graduated from UFE, I was working for the same company, but now a full-time position. And they happily agreed to give me the full-time position. I was so happy and excited that everything is sorted. This is what I wanted. I have my contract. I have my work permit. And the one-year countdown began. But what I did not see coming was the change in the behavior from the employer, the abuse at the workplace in form of zero support, the multiple unheard requests for help in the company, and above all, just the lack of appreciation for all the work that was being done. It felt more like they were doing me a favor by keeping me around rather than me just working for them as a full-time minimum wage paid employee at that time. Um, I had actually had a higher salary when I was working for them as a part-time worker. And then when I applied for the full-time position, my salary was reduced. And somewhere I knew that they just know that I need their support for my process, which is why they had the change in the behavior and they just took me for granted. And 
I would have a nine hour day at the job with one hour unpaid break. The one hour was split in 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening and multiple requests for additional support, wage increase, additional benefits, all of them were turned down and I felt being stuck. That was the moment when I was like, I feel powerless. I don't, I want to move. I want to have a change, but I could not do it. Because any change or any request or any change in job or taking a break would mean delaying my permanent residency process by months or maybe another year. And that was something that I could not afford at that time because I wanted to get over with the process and apply for a new job or do something better in life and not continue feeling stuck. What I felt at that moment was also that something that I was so passionate about working with kids I was not passionate about it anymore. The workplace made me dislike something that I, w I was always so excited about to a point that when I wanted to go to grad school for the same schooling or like to get better schooling in the same field, I just did not want to because I just did not like doing what I was doing anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know you've reached the point when you don't even feel passionate about getting up in the morning and going to the workplace. So all I needed at that time was the light at the end of the tunnel. I could not see it for the longest time because there was no starting over. There was no, let's take a break. There was no, um, I am going to go home for a little bit and be with my parents and come back because you just can't do it. You just have to hustle every day and finish the process and then you do whatever you want to do. But I was able to finish it. I was able to do reached the end of the tunnel finally. And the only thing that kept me going during that time was the awareness that I was not in the situation alone. My friends were there who, who were also going through the same thing. So my friends became family and they've always been there for me through thick and thin. Shout out to my girls. My parents have always supported me even though they were miles away from me. And uh, then came the glorious opportunity of coming back to UFV. Mm. And I and here we are sitting, talking about my journey. <laughs> and I must say, I'm so grateful for you for calling me today on this podcast and reliving my journey with me. And in the end, like I say, when you're living a journey as an international student, I must say there are so many powerful and powerless moments, but don't let our powerless moments get on to us because we are powerful at the end of the day. The sticky note says it on the mirror. We're powerful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thank you for sharing that. And I am sorry that that, that that happened to you. And I and I wish that it was an isolated story, but it is a story that I've been hearing um, more and more frequently. And there was recently an article published um, on a blog called 5X, and, and they were talking about the, the practice of um, employers charging international workers or international students for labor market impact assessments wow. and, and how widespread that is um, to facilitate their immigration. So this does seem to be a widespread uh, problem. It's one that One Voice, which is a, a wonderful community organization supporting international students, um, has written a report on, which you can download at onevoice.org. Um, so this is something that is happening in our community um, at, at a high frequency and, and something that we do need to be aware of um, and find ways to support each other through. So thank you for bringing it to our attention today. Um, I, I really appreciate you sharing your, your story. And with that, I think that that brings us to that good place of, of saying, well, now what can we do? How do we, how do we solve this problem? Or how do we make a change? How do we support um, international students in their courses and in our services? And how do we just be more inclusive at UFE?
1,000 things on my list. I'm joking. <laughs> I could barely come up with any. But keeping in mind the shift that I had from grade 10 to high school, um, I think it is very important to have an open outlook towards different styles of learning, especially when the majority of the population in a classroom are international students. So students won't always know what assignment prompts like apply this concept or critically examine would mean. <laughs> so it would be really helpful if the faculty members were able to put in some extra practice examples or before the f assignments are handed out, we do these examples a couple of times in the classroom settings or elaborate when, what is being asked for when handing out assignments. It took me a while to understand what was really asked from me in certain courses, but I learned that through multiple failed attempts. And I think that is quite upsetting and you would reach a point where you just don't want to attempt it again because you know you're going to eventually fail. Mm -hmm. So some practice examples are like elaborating more on the terms like this would just help students coming from different styles of learning to understand what is being asked and getting a good score. My second thing was that I'm aware that we have several clubs and events on campus that happen to provide after-school information to students, such as how do you apply for a work permit? How does the permanent residency application work? And how does the point system work? However, international students could really use some guidance and referrals to employers that will treat them fairly and help them achieve their goals, which is getting their permanent residency application. And this could include having some programs regarding identifying the right job for the students, Maybe in terms of like more one-on-one -on -one guidance when students plan on applying for a full-time, one-year committed job after graduating. And this would ensure that the company's background is checked and verified by someone who has been in the real world for a while and gives a level of confidence and comfort to the student as well, mm -hmm. that they know that they're not signing up for a year of harassment at work. Having that professional help just in getting the right job for you would be a little more helpful, I think. Yeah, those are my little two tips that I brought with me today. Yeah, I think that those are really interesting and innovative suggestions and, and really helpful. So thank you for taking the time to think about it and um, to put those, those suggestions together for us. Really, it does mean a lot. Um, so thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me today. Like I said, I feel I feel very powerful again. <laughs> and I feel so happy and honored to be able to share my news. And hopefully this brings a change in someone else's life. Or at least I can listen to it again and bring out some changes in me again. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for our listeners. If you have questions about today's episode, um, would like links to resources that we've talked about or mentioned, or even if you have some ideas for future episodes, do feel free to reach out to me, Victoria Surtees. That's victoriasurtees at ufv.ca. Surtees is S-U-R-T-E-E-S -E -E at ufv.ca. And please, if you did find this show interesting or useful, tell a friend. And uh, let's learn differently together. ICTA is hosted by UFV's Teaching and Learning Centre and sponsored by UFV International. Music by Saint Soldier. No matter how long it takes us, no matter how much this world breaks us, May we live here in peace, live here as one from Bolivia to Greece, from India to Canada and everywhere between. Namaste to everyone I see. Namaste, I recognize that it's one. Namaste, and the suffering is done. Namaste. 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 Namaste.